Hello, and welcome to Radio IAGP. My name is Implausibly Josh, and thank you so much for listening. Before we get into the questions, I have been playing a little bit of Assassin's Creed Origins. It's been really interesting. It is the first Assassin's Creed game that I've actually truly engaged with. I've played, I think, maybe one and two previously, and those didn't quite grab me for whatever reason, but Origins seems to have a really cool setting, and the character looked neat. So I was like, hey, I might as well give this a shot. I know that people say that the Assassin's Creed games are pretty cool, so I gave it a shot, and I'm really, really liking it. It's really fun. I like the RPG elements of it. I like how many wild weapons there are. Again, Bayek looks really cool, and he's really interesting just as a person, so I'm really invested in seeing where his story goes. I've always been a fan of the stuff that's outside of the Animus, just from hearing about Assassin's Creed from podcasts or friends. And this has been very light. Basically, every time that there is what could be easily classified as a chapter break in the story, you get outside of the Animus for a little bit. I would say I'm about two chapters into Assassin's Creed Origins, or two times I've been outside of the Animus, and... So far, it's just been a small setting outside of the Animus. I don't really know how expansive that is in previous games, but in this one, it's fine for what it is. I cannot remember the name of the lady that you are playing as outside of the Animus, but she's all right. She's cool. I dig her. I'm ready for that stuff to go off the wall because that's really what I know Assassin's Creed for is just how wild that game can be with its sci-fi elements, which is, again, what I'm here for. That's kind of what I want, and the Egypt stuff is a very, very nice bonus because while I thought Egypt as a setting was very cool, I knew that the sci-fi nonsense was going to be the stuff that my goofy brain would pick up on and be really interested in, and so far it's the other way around, which is really cool. So glad that the stuff that I'm doing the most of in that game is the stuff that I'm interested in. Anyways, we will get on to our questions. If you have questions for us, you can send them into the new email address, and that is radioiagp at gmail.com. Our first question reads, is there a game system you don't have that you'd like to own? What games would you get for it? Thanks, Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. I don't have a Super Nintendo, and that's something I'd kind of like to own, but I think that what I would do mostly, especially now, is I would get some form of Retron multi-system cartridge-based emulation. While I have some older equipment to connect games to, I have a VCR and a CRT television, tube television, and those are really nice. The picture quality on the television is pretty good, all things considered, and I do like having VHS as a medium. I mostly have it to connect older systems into, and when I was in the planning phase of Implausibly Average, I thought it would be cool to play some older games and use a VCR to convert signal so that more modern capture software would be able to use it, use that video input better. Um, I haven't wanted to go back to any games of that era that would require that, at least not for like video content. So that stuff just hasn't been set up. But now 
my priorities are shifted. I think really what I would prefer is to have something that can go to an HDTV, you know? I don't personally care too much about playing on original hardware because I don't have a solid frame of reference for that stuff. I had a Super Nintendo a long time ago, and I played that on the CRT that I have. And while that's fun and I have fond memories of it, at this point, I don't care if I play that way ever again. It's just not the thing I want. I would just want to be able to play the game in the most useful way I could, or the, mo the easiest way I could, I guess is the better way to put that. And now that I have a Nintendo Switch that has Nintendo Online with the Super Nintendo games and stuff, I could play Super Mario World, for instance, in a really easy way. I could lay in bed and play Super Mario World in a pretty solid way. And even then, like, Nintendo games, it has most of the Nintendo games I would want to play. So there isn't really too much of a use in getting a, a Retron. I think maybe it would be cool to have a PlayStation. The PlayStation was a system for me that I played a lot at friends' houses. So a lot of my memories of PlayStation games are playing a game in short bursts or having a PlayStation 2 and having a handful of PlayStation games, but being way more invested in having PlayStation 2 games. So like I have a ton of fond memories of playing Driver 2 for the PlayStation on a PlayStation 2, but that and maybe like a Namco collection for the PlayStation 1 are the big, are the big PlayStation games that I remember playing. So now with more refined game tastes and also more broad game tastes, I think it'd be interesting to go back to a PlayStation and have a PlayStation or have a PlayStation 2 again and play those games, especially the games I didn't get to play. Like now that I am someone who has the patience for JRPGs, for, in for instance, excuse me, maybe I could give a JRPG on the PlayStation a shot that I maybe wouldn't have when I had a PlayStation 2, when I had that urge to play every game imaginable, you know? Like when I, when I was a kid, I maybe didn't want to play JRPGs, and now I do. It would be cool to go back to the PlayStation and play those games. I also think it would be neat to own an old system to mod. Like I don't have an original Xbox, for instance. I think that would be cool to have an old Xbox and maybe tinker around with it and do some mods for it or mess around with how people have remade Xbox Xbox Live. Is that, a, is that the thing I've been hearing about? I'm not looking it up, but stuff like that where it's older games that people have done more, or older systems rather, that people have done more work into modding and messing around with, and especially those systems that were right at the cusp of always online, online services, things like that. I think that's something that I'd like to mess around with. And again, it's something I don't have any fondness for or any childhood memories of. I was mostly playing Nintendo and PlayStation growing up, so I didn't have an Xbox until I got an Xbox 360 during a used game sale within the past, like, five years, and I got it on a super deep discount, and I got a handful of Xbox 360 games. I've played with an Xbox One controller on my PC more often than I've played actual Xbox games on an Xbox Six system. So I think that would be something that would be fun to examine. But at the same time, do I want to get an old Xbox and deal with the oddities of owning old hardware and messing around with all that modding? Or based on what stuff has currently come out about the Xbox Series X, do I want to just wait get those old games from used game stores and play them on a modern system and hook it up to modern TVs and things like that. 
my style of collecting, and I believe I've talked about this before, but my style of collecting has almost always been, especially now that I'm an adult with my own bills to pay, has been to get games that I'm going to play. And I think now I would much rather want to collect for convenience than collect to just have something. So while it would be kind of cool to mod and mess around with an Xbox, if I can just wait for a year or two to get an Xbox Series X that can play Xbox and 360 and Xbox One games, then I might as well just do that. It would probably probably be more beneficial for me in the long run. So so I don't know if that really answers your question, Anonymous, but I hope it does. Moving on, Brian says, We've seen for years in the blogospheres and message boards across the internet that any game getting a 7 out of 10 review score means it's absolute trash and should be ignored by the general public. I'm one of the few clowns out there that think the opposite. A wonderful streamer friend of mine that you should can find at twitch.tv slash mattcalder and I have been spending some time going co-op through Dynasty Warriors 8 Extreme Legends Complete on Steam and smashing through waves of soldiers in this 7 out of 10 critically reviewed game has been a fun, if not flawed, time. What 7 out of 10 games have you enjoyed regardless of what true gamers say? Thanks as always for the question, Brian. So I went and looked on Metacritic for some games that I thought would be 7 out of 10s, and I think... Uh, I won't talk a ton about this one because I've talked about it a bunch, but those Dragon Ball Z Budokai games, the 2.5D fighters for the PlayStation 2, those were my jam. And looking at the scores, you know, they're solid 7 out of 10 games. That first one, Budokai 1 for the PlayStation 2, perfect, looks great, is super flawed. I understand that, but the fighting feels good to me. The look of the game feels good to me. The fact that it really goes hard to mimic the look of the the feel of the anime, not the look, but the feel of the anime is really great. It is a 7 out of 10 game. It is not very good, and I feel like I like it mostly because I like Dragon Ball, and so it's going to be hard for me to not enjoy a game like that. Surprisingly, a thing that I thought would rate lower but actually rates a lot higher are the NCAA football games. I know I've talked before. But I really like sports games. Sports games are truly some of my favorite video games to play, mostly because I can play them in a lot of different ways that let me change the experience to be whatever I need it to be at that time. For instance, if I want to just kind of let my brain relax after a long day at work, I can set all the settings low on Super Mega Baseball 3 and just have a fun time hitting home runs, you know, or if I want to have my experience be more of like, how can I optimize this and really thinking hard about the gameplay, I've found that the most recent UFC game, UFC 3, is good for that because you can play a career mode and you are not penalized for restarting matches. So if you want to go undefeated, you can restart your match and try it over again before the final bell rings or before you get knocked out or before final decisions are called. And you can really try and perfect your fight against whatever your opponent is. And that's also fun. Or if I want to do something that's more sim-heavy and more creative, that kind of scratches the same itch as as an RPG. I could play something like Total Extreme Wrestling 2016, 
where a lot of the fun is in coming up with your own stories, your own backstories for characters, your own fantasy booking for wrestling. It's a lot more about that. So sports games, sports games can scratch a lot of itches for me. And as a kid, or even as a kid, just as a kid and young adult, those NCAA games scratch the itch of, I knew I wasn't going to go to a state college, and I knew I was not good at sports, but I could put my name on the back of a jersey in NCAA football whatever year, and I could go play for my NCAA team, you know? And that, it, it scratched the power fantasy itch of like, I'm going to be the quarterback for whatever, and it's going to be awesome. And it is kind of awesome. And football is a game that I think translates really well to video games. So it ends up being this thing where even if they're flawed and they don't really simulate college sports very well, and not to even mention how weird and exploitative they were before I knew how weird and exploitative, exploit, yeah, exploitative they were of the NCAA athletes, I remember sinking a ton and a ton of hours into those games. And some of those NCAA games are 7 out of 10s, but surprisingly, some of the ones I had the most fun with were 8, 9 out of 10s, which is wild to me. I didn't, I thought I was the only person who was not, I guess, a stereotypical, the sports game is going to be the game I buy every year and that's it type of sports game player. So I figured I was the only one who really liked those. Also didn't help that I wasn't like part of any video game fandoms or online communities when I was playing those games. So I guess I maybe just was in my own bubble going like, oh, I like playing these. My cousins kind of like playing these. These are fun. I'm going to sink a bunch of time into these. All right. And last one, dear Radio IAGP, what are some games that seemed daunting to you? Did you ever try them? Are there any that still seem daunting? Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. Um, Elite Dangerous seemed pretty daunting to me before I actually bought it and played it. Space Sims in general always kind of feel like that. I bought Space Engineers a while ago, like a while, a while ago, and finally installed it after watching some videos, like recently within the last month, maybe less. And I realized that it wasn't that it seemed, uh, I realized that it wasn't daunting, uh, Space Engineers. It just wasn't fun. It wasn't what I was looking to do in, in th that type of a space game. So I bought it forever ago, no refunds, digital game, whatever. That's just money down the drain at this point, which kind of sucks, but whatever. Um, but Elite Dangerous was one where I like watched a bunch of YouTube videos and was like, is this a game I'm actually going to like? And then I realized it was kind of a, you make this game fun. The game itself is extremely wide, but about an inch or a foot deep like it's not very deep gameplay and in a lot of cases it's kind of monotonous but that exploration after watching like 10 or 20 youtube videos about it i was like okay this actually isn't that complicated it looked complicated from the outside looking in but now watching these people play on youtube watching these tutorials made by people trying to desperately get people into the game this game actually seems like it's kind of cool so i'll give it a shot why not and it wasn't daunting at all. I really like the game. It's easy to pick up and play. And it's another one of those games that I can use to just kind of decompress after a long day at work. Not a video game, but magic was something that I thought was pretty daunting and complicated as someone who had not really played a bunch of magic 
and as someone who didn't have friends that played Magic, I learned about it mostly through being online and seeing YouTube channels recommended to me. As I talked about in the previous episode, I eventually came, o- be- came over that feeling of Magic being daunting and complicated and inscrutable and realized it's not super difficult to comprehend. It's, I think, got a very high skill ceiling, but I think it's also a game that's pretty easy to pick up and play. And it also helps that I have card game experience. Like, Magic the Gathering feels a lot like the card game Flux in that you have set rules for your game and then you can modify the rules of said game by playing cards. And that can be in the form of enchantments or cards that let you break certain rules of the game and stuff like that. And the gameplay itself now is very fun and something that... I just really like something about building your own deck is really fun. The idea that this is a game that spans decades and has decades of cards and has so many community members making different formats to play. Like, for instance, I really like, I haven't played it for real because I don't like playing Magic Online as opposed to Magic Arena, but that format Popper, where you play only cards that were in the common slot of booster packs is crazy cool. Like the fact that your game has existed so long that you can make a completely viable format. That's basically like, hey, you know the cards that just exist a ton and are incredibly common and also super cheap? Yeah, you can make an entire deck out of this and play against other decks that are made like this and it maybe will cost you like 10 bucks. Like that's really cool and something that appeals to me that there's a huge community around finding fun ways to play with these cards and something that while that definitely seemed daunting at first that there's way too many formats as again as an outsider looking in you look at magic the gathering you look at a list of the formats that are played and you're like this is too much as someone who used to play pokemon it really felt like there were two ish formats that you could play whatever was in the standard current rotation of cards and then, I guess, I don't think Pokemon has an equivalent of Vintage, any, I don't think. But basically, you can play Standard or you can play something other than Standard, and that was it. But with Magic the Gathering, there was stuff like Commander, there's Canadian Highlander, there's Pauper, there's Standard, there's Modern, there's Vintage. Is Oathbreaker played anymore? I don't know. There are formats I'd never heard of until I started playing Magic. There's formats that were unique to one of the online official magic offerings that you couldn't play in the other one it's wild there's so much going on with that game but you have what thousands and thousands of cards so of course you have to come up with formats that make all of those cards useful to have so that if you let's say you go through two standard rotations then you have all these cards and then you're like well, I have all these old cards that were really fun to play. I gotta play with them somehow. And again, it's just very daunting looking looking at magic from the outside. But now it's whatever. I don't even want to play standard. I want to play commander and pauper, basically. And commander only because you can buy pre-constructed commander decks that aren't expensive. Really, I just want to play magic on a budget. Anyways, um, are there still any that still seem daunting? Flight sims, I think, are the ones that seem still daunting that I haven't actually given a shot. When a game is too 
is really, really simulation heavy, it is really off-putting for me because I underestimate how much I can learn and how much I'm willing to learn to play a video game. And those are games that seem like you really have to learn some stuff in order to play them. And also, it doesn't seem worth it. Like, I could just fly around in Google Earth if I wanted a less simmy experience. So I don't know what the reward would be at the end of learning something like a flight sim. So it seems daunting and also slightly uninteresting. So I've just never given it a shot to make it seem less daunting to me. And that'll do it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions for Radio IAGP, you can send them into radioiagp at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening. Always appreciated. I will see you all next time. Later. EA Sports.